0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Lords of Limited. My name is Ben Warney, and joining me on the line, as always, is Ethan Sachs. Ethan, there's been a lot of flooding going on in Magic. LSV's basement <laughs> flooded, your basement flooded. I drew too many lands last
1: night in my Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate draft. And I think we all had equally bad things happen to us. I agree. I agree. When I posted the thing about my basement flooding to Twitter, my our friend Matt Sunlock FTW uh, messaged me on Discord, and he was like, just can't let LR stay ahead of the meta, huh? <laughs> 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 Which I thought was funny. But yeah, uh, I, I think LSV definitely got it much worse than I did. But man, the storm last weekend hit just it seems like everybody across the country. It's LSV in Denver and me in Pittsburgh. Yeah, wild. I am very sorry that that happened to both of you. It stinks. Yeah, yeah, it's a bummer. Like I said, definitely, definitely much worse for him than for me. For me, it's more of a my basement was pretty crappy before. And now it's like, okay, now there's a real impetus to like, clean it up, refinish the floor, etc. So I've got a nice a nice uh, summer project ahead of me. So, I'm, um, you know, trying to trying to look at it with uh, with a positive spin as I as I like to do. How are things in your world? You have never I think been more excited to chat about magic before.
0: I've never been more excited to chat about magic and I've also never been more thankful to be a renter instead of a homeowner.
1: <laughs> yes, yes, indeed for that. So, this week we're all planned right, we had we're 2 weeks out from doing the Dominaria United crash course, so that means next week we'll talk about some previews. So that means that this week was oh my gosh, already the Alchemy Horizon since Baldur's Gate 50 Takes in 50 Minutes episode. And then WotC dropped the biggest of all bombs, even larger than my basement flooding, which was that they were going to do rebalancing, alchemy rebalancing to limited cards for this format and rolled that out on Thursday. I was floored by this announcement, first of all. I did not think, if you had asked me, and I am a betting man, if I were a betting man, and I am a betting man, If you had asked me to bet on the likelihood of them rebalancing these cards for limited, I would have I would have said, I don't know, four to one against I was really not thinking that they were going to do this. Well, especially this late into the format, right?
0: It feels like Dominaria United is happening, like Cube came out. It just felt like this was the week that the format died.
1: And then boom, new life. It's so good that they did these changes. It's awesome. Like a phoenix rising from the ashes. Yeah. So instead of doing a 50 takes episode, we, we have 25 takes. We're going to do half the takes. And we're going to talk about these changes to the format because I think they're pretty darn impactful, or at least we have we have them sorted into three groups. We're going to do very impactful, slightly impactful. And then eh, why did they do this is my sort of my question. Um, and then we've got some big picture thoughts about the format because why do a 50 takes episode when... this this is how we're going to return to the format if they ever bring it back as a flashback draft it's going to be with the changes so to not acknowledge the changes seems foolish in my mind. Absolutely. All right, so we're going to get into that. We got a lot to talk about. First things first, a few housekeeping things. The Patreon page, patreon.com lordsoflimited Lords of Limited is where folks can go to give back to the show if they so choose. You know, we say that the Discord is a fantastic place, 24-7 limited tech support. And the best time to get in on it is when we've got new formats, we've got Cube Out, we've got shakeups happening with Alchemy Horizon, So the format is definitely changed. We're talking about it here. We'll be talking about it in the Discord. And we've got Dominara United just around the corner. So if you want to be a part of a community of like-minded limited junkies, the Lords of Limited Discord is the place to be for you. And the only way to get access to that is through the Patreon page. A lot of awesome stuff uh, rolling out from the Patreon as you move up the reward tiers. And I would be remiss to shout out, we still are rolling out our Lords of Limited newsletter each and every week. If you want to sign up for that, just head on over to our website, lordsoflimited.com slash contact at the top of that page, sign up for the newsletter, dump your email in there, boom, you're going to get that in your inbox every week. And that's just a nice little one-stop shop of a bunch of limited content from the previous week. Um, really happy to be rolling that out. And thanks again to the folks from our Discord who are contributing to that. And of course, we want to shout out our patrons the first week that they join. So this week, we're welcoming Khan, Devok, Noah, Hogar, Finn, Ben, Evan, the evil squid, Tony, Chris, Daniel, and Aubrey, thank you, thank you, thank you. We really appreciate your support. Yep, cannot say thank you enough.
0: I see you, the evil squid. It's been a long time since we've had wacky <laughs> names, and I appreciate you. The show is also brought to you by Channel Fireball slash TCG Player, best places to go for anything and everything you need on the internet that is magic related. We've got Dominar United pre-orders right around the corner, as Ethan said, so head on over to Channel Fireball or TCG Player and make sure that you get those pre-orders locked and loaded. In addition to that, CFB Pro exists. It's a place where you can sign up for a monthly subscription to get articles about whether it's constructed or limited you're after, but you're going to get high-level limited articles from us on Channel Fireball. And if you sign up for CFB Pro, we're going to be putting out a lot of articles leading up to the release of Dominari United and right after the release to try to get you prepped and ready to get that win rate up at the start of the format. So if any of that is of interest to you, please, when you go to Channel Fireball to do anything, Use code LOL, all caps, to let them know that we sent you over there.
1: I love how Ben is. We haven't gotten any official thing from CFB about like, hey, here's how we want you to be chatting about TCG Player. Ben, company man through and through, just getting in that TCG Player action right from the get-go. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I want to support Channel Fireball and whatever Channel Fireball is doing. And if that is now
0: TCG Player, I'm all
1: in, baby. Yeah. I agree. I agree. Totally. Yeah. All right. So uh, we'll have a link to the article that Watsi put out on the rebalancing. You can hear sort of their reasoning behind it. We're going to just chat about our experience. We've now had a couple days to play with these cards fresh in the new environment. And as I said, we're going to group these not in the order that they go in the article, but we've sort of grouped them in how impactful they are to the format. So we've got very impactful, slightly impactful, and then Huh? What? Why? Um, okay. Uh, for the third category. Yeah, we've got those three categories. And I think before we even get
0: into that, I just want to chat about how awesome it is in general that they did these changes. And even the changes that are in the um, okay, category, like they're not bad changes. The fact that Wizards of the Coast is trying to change these things at all in the middle of the format, whether or not they hit or missed, is absolutely incredible for people that draft limited as much as we do and want to put content out about limited. And for you all that want this type of content about limited, it just makes the format so much more fresh and so much more interesting.
1: I couldn't agree more 100%. I, like I said, I was floored when this happened, not in a Oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this bad way. But Oh, my God, I can't believe they're doing this. This is so Awesome. Because when you think about it, like, yeah, this is not great for people who like only draft a format five times. But as you said, it felt like the format was dead. This, in a way, this is the week to do it. Because the only people that this is going to really impact are like you and me and our degenerate (laughs) listeners, right? Like the people who are drafting this format up until Dominaria United drops are the people who are like, oh my gosh, this is awesome and are going to read this article and are going to see the changes are going to be able to apply it. Whereas like, you know, if you do this after week three, you might mess with some people who are like, oh, I, I'm a very casual player. I didn't realize that these changes existed. So totally agree. I'm so happy this happened and I'm so happy to chat about these with you. And most
0: of these are fairly small tweaks, right? It's a number here, a number there, a mana cost here. There are a couple changes to major players in the format which also I think shifted the format quite a bit because the best cards aren't quite as good as they were before. Mm -hmm. But I just feel like I leveled up so much as a result of getting to see these changes in action, right? I feel like I'm going to be better at understanding formats, like initially going in, and I think even prepping for it. And just, I understand mana efficiency better than I did two days ago. Like getting to play with Blessed Hippogriff as a one mana combat trick on Tears Blessing and a two mana combat trick on Tears Blessing is just a world of difference. And it's wild how much of a difference it makes in power level of that card. And then like just the ripple effects for the whole format from that. I don't know. This is incredible and i am stoked to talk about these cards so let's get into it sweet all right
1: so first up we have you come to a river so this used to be this is the biggest change in terms of like they really overhauled this card so they used to be one in a blue instant either bounce a creature back to their hand or a creature gets plus one plus oh and unblockable until end of turn well that second line of text still exists but everything else on the card is wildly different it now costs two and a blue so a bump up in mana from two to three it's now a sorcery and not an instant. And now the first mode, instead of bouncing a thing, says the owner of target non-land permanent either puts it on the top or bottom of their library. So effectively turning it into a Griptide variant, whatever, Revenge of the Drowned, however you want to think about it, variant books, that kind of card now exists. So now blue has a way to actually one for one with a non-land permanent.
0: Yes, this being sorcery speed is a bit of a bummer i mean certainly but it's only three mana
1: you know it can't be instant and three mana
0: yes i agree yeah 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 yeah. i would prefer i think to pay another mana to have it be yes instant yes. speed i would be willing i think it would be a better card at four mana and instant speed but just the fact that blue has a reasonable way to interact now is big game for blue i think this is like a super solid card it's not like actively pulling you into blue or anything like that but it it gives blue tools that it didn't have before which is Only a good thing for blue. Agreed. Next up, we've got Guild Sworn Prowler. This is a huge change to the format. And this card was one and a black for two one death touch. And whenever it died, if it wasn't blocking, you draw a card. Now it is a one one, which means that your opponents can't just chain guild sworn prowlers and bully you into getting two for one it's now essentially you know comparable to the underdark basilisk in green the one in a green one two death
1: touch it's just not a particularly desirable card i mean it's almost worse than basilisk because basilisk can at least block one ones you know (laughs) like the fact that this just is whatever typhoid rats for two mana And I mean, I guess like you could get the bonus card if, you know, you sack it to Deadly Dispute or Skullport Merchant or whatever. But this card, this is a significant nerf. This went from the best black common in my mind to filler at best. Right. Which also has huge ripple effects
0: for how powerful black is, right? Because part of the reason that black was great was because it had this great two drop that was guaranteed almost to two for one your opponent at some point in the game or
1: trade with one of their very good cards that cost way more mana than Guiltsworn Prowler. It's it's really interesting because, you know, they did all these changes to blue cards as we'll get to. But the most impactful changes in my mind to the format are the three nerfs of three of the best commons, because that actually gave blue more of a fighting chance than adding these like random toughness boosts in my mind. And so I think, you know, I, I was drafting, I think black white was my first post nerf draft that I was doing. And it's such a gut change when you see someone pass you a Prowler or a Hippogriff because you go from, oh, snap, awesome, got the, oh, wait, that's not that good anymore. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like, it's really hard to unlearn that feeling. Um, so yeah, Guildstorm Prowler definitely, definitely got nerfed here.
0: Yeah. And I would say, you know, just from I've listened to a lot of podcasts about this and, you know, talk to Twitch chat about it. And I think, you know, the changes of the cards are, different, right? Like it does mean you have to pay more attention during the draft. Mm -hmm. And like, I was very nervous during my first draft. I was like, (laughs) okay, got to focus up, got to read all the cards, got to pay attention. But after that, like it just kind of sunk in and they have the little alchemy symbol in the top left corner. So you can kind of train yourself to look for that. I, I just think almost all of this is upside for folks that draft a format. Up until the end of the format
1: agreed next up we have circle of the land druid so this is one in a green for a one one when it enters the battlefield you may mill the top four cards of your library and when it dies you can return a land card from your graveyard to your hand well now this is a two one this is a two mana two one that does all of this stuff this is a huge buff to this card i mean this used to be You hope to wheel it maybe if you're in the weird black green archetype. You know, you could always expect this to wheel. This is now green's best two drop in my mind. Oh, for sure. Black lost Guildsworn Prowler and green got Guildsworn Prowler. Like, this
0: is (laughs) essentially a two mana, two one that's going to draw you a card now. It's just going to draw you a land. I mean, it's not quite as powerful as Guildsworn Prowler was, but the other thing that this does, in addition to itself just being a powerful card, it also makes Green Black Reanimator super viable, right? Because you're not getting punished for trying to have synergies in that archetype like you have a good card that is naturally synergistic in a deck that wants to interact with the graveyard and reanimate things out of the graveyard which is just a huge buff for that archetype absolutely yeah well and the next card as well yeah next up we've got druidic ritual which is 2g uh you mill 3 cards and now you can return your any combination of two creatures two lands or one creature and one land which means late game This is just
1: absolutely backbreaking in addition to having utility early in the game. The modality of this card now is really awesome because you can, you know, it doesn't affect the board. It's not great, but you can fire this off on turn three, turn four, whatever, and mill yourself and you're likely to hit a land and a creature if you've got a high creature count in your deck, which you often do in HPG. And then late game, the fact that you just get to go get back my two best creatures is awesome. This modality cannot be underrated. Well, and just in tandem with Circle the Landroid, right? Like Black yes. Green just has good ways
0: to get a lot of its deck in the graveyard. And so Druidic Ritual then almost becomes a tutor for
1: your good creatures, your good raiders. <laughs> yeah, for sure. For sure. Next up, we have Steadfast Unicorn. We have single white for a one, two, and you can pay three and a white to give creatures you control plus one, plus one, and Vigilance until end of turn, but you can only activate during your turn. Well, now this ability costs four and a white so a mana increase in this ability which is a huge nerf here the threat of activation happens a turn later and your possibility of using this twice in one turn is significantly diminished yes i mean
0: this is still a good card right you're still playing it in white decks you're just not like jamming three or four of them in your white decks right you you want one you maybe want the second copy
1: And you're just almost never getting a double activation, but it's still a fine card to include. It's fine. It went from like B minus C plus territory in my mind down to like C minus. I don't know if I would go quite that low, but I mean, I think we're splitting hairs. I think it's well, so, you know, before I think my rankings of the white commons was hippogriff you know, priest slash humiliation, then this, then the two drops. And now this is below the two drops for me. I think it's on par with the two drops for me. What about Hippogriff? Yeah, next up, we've got Hippogriff, uh,
0: the three and a white for a two, three flyer that jumps another attacker into the air with it. And it's got the adventure Tears Blessing single white to give target creature indestructible. It now costs one and a white to cast Tears Blessing, which is just a gigantic Change to a Magic the Gathering card.
1: Yeah, so it's so interesting. You think of these changes in the context of it's just a mana more, it's just a mana less. When it's twice as much mana, or half as much mana, or twice as much power, or half as much power, that's very impactful, right? Like this, the fact that you cannot hold up this and Patriarch's Humiliation is huge you really just like can't slot this in along your curve as much anymore. It really makes this card a lot worse in my mind. Well, it's not like a lot worse. I mean, it's still good. Like it's still a B minus. It still pulls you into white, right? But the the thing that it
0: does to white more overall that opens up the other colors so Mm -hmm. much more is that like you can't go two drop into attack you with my two drop cast tears blessing when you block make my thing indestructible and then play another two drop like it's not quite as backbreaking tempo wise you know what i mean yes like you still get two for one by it but it's often at the cost of your entire turn to two for one your opponent with the tears blessing side of the card like you're not often double spelling with tears blessing now which is just a big change to how the games play out right because it gives the other colors just a little bit more breathing room to try to stabilize, which is often all decks that are trying to stabilize need. is just that little
1: bit of extra breathing room. Playing a mana off curve to keep up Tear's Blessing wasn't that big of a deal, right? You could sort of make some concessions of, oh, maybe I'll wait to cast this card next turn so I can just keep holding up this trick just in case. You can't really do that anymore. Holding up two mana is so much more of a cost. Yes. And I think
0: I I didn't. I mean, you? I knew about curve and double spelling and all of that, <laughs> but like it's different feeling it, right? Like having played with a card and knowing the power level of a card in the context of a format and then getting to play with it costing a mana more. I just feel like I learned so much getting to play with Tears Blessing cost two mana.
1: Yeah, I I agree completely. So those are our six very impactful, not only to themselves, but to the format overall. Um, And I think it's interesting to note that all three of the nerfs are in that category and only one blue card is in that category. So that brings us to slightly impactful. And that's where we're going to chat mostly about all of these blue changes. So first up, we have Dragonborn Looter, which was one and a blue for a one, two. And you could pay one, tap it, draw a card, discard a card. Well, now it costs just a single blue mana. So a one mana, one, two. Yeah, Alex made a
0: lot of great Points about this card on limited level ups. I was kind of in the camp of "Eh, this change doesn't really matter that much. And honestly, I'm still kind of in that camp. Like, I'm not super jazzed to put Dragonborn Looter in my deck. But uh, if you're not listening to limited level ups, you absolutely should be. Alex made some great points about the efficiency of this card, like getting a chance to loot on turn two now before you play your three drop, which is really like the key turn for blue green decks to make sure they hit a ramper or their third land drop to be able to cast their ramper. So all told, I think there are a lot of small things that make this
1: card better, but it's still not a card I'm picking highly. I agree. I agree. This went from a card that I'm hoping to never put in my deck to a card that I think is totally fine to include in those blue dragon decks. Yes, Next up, we have lumped in five cards under the blue toughness boosts. So we won't be reading all of the text of these cards, um, but Pseudo Dragon Familiar was a 2-1, now it's a 2-2 flyer. Young Blue Dragon was a 3-3, now a 3-4 flyer. Kenku Artificer was a 1-1, is now a 1-3. And the two specialized uncommons, Vol Eager Scholar, now a 2-2 on the front and a 4-4 on the back. Alora Rogue Companion, and now a 3-3 on the front and a 4-4 on the back. So all of those, uh, toughness boost of one, except for Kenku Artificer, which got a toughness boost of two. What are your thoughts on these changes? Largely, I don't care that much. The two that I'm most interested in are
0: Young Blue Dragon and Pseudo Dragon Familiar. The Dragon Familiar because it doesn't just auto-trade with your opponent's uh, pilgrim's eye or their shambling gas like that's big game for this card so the fact that it can reliably pressure a little bit more makes i think blue white tempo decks in particular a real thing now whereas they weren't <laughs> before um, and pseudo dragon familiar is a part of that and then young blue dragon just being able to block cards like three ones that are running around when it
1: comes down also is a, a fairly significant change to me, I think. Yeah, and I think I would I would dump in Alora being a 3-3 now. Though I, I really don't think that's the kind of card, you know, if you're building your deck correctly with Alora or if you're including Alora in the correct decks, you really don't want to risk this in combat. Like before, I guess your opponent could just freely attack with their vampire spawn into your Alora and you're never blocking. But honestly, now if you play Alora and they attack with their vampire spawn, unless your life total is dangerously low i'm still probably not calling that bluff because Alora is probably very important to what i want to do in the game right
0: and also just something as simple as it doesn't die to your opponent's random improvised weaponry right yeah like, yeah all of these things do matter in some sense or another mm-hmm. i agree all right moving on we've got manticore three and a black for the two one flash flyer that when it etbs you can destroy target creature and opponent controls that was dealt damage this turn it is now a three one flyer which has been pretty nasty
1: yeah, I mean, this was a card already that you were including sometimes, you know, if you just find yourself light on removal, if you had a lot of things that maybe like your opponent was going to have to block, like maybe you found yourselves in doing some sort of blue black sneaky deck, yet some horde robbers, I don't know, like this was still a card that I would play some amount of the time. And now it's just better, like a three one flyer is so good, like it's got the problem of pseudo dragon familiar used to have of, hey, it randomly dies to a shambling gas death trigger or trades with the pilgrim's eye. But I- I'm pretty happy with this boost. Yeah, definitely upside. Next up, we have Eyes of the Beholder. This was a six mana instant target creature gets minus 11, minus 11 until end of turn. Now it's five mana, three black black instead of four black black.
0: Yeah, this is fine. I mean, it went from like hoping to not include to maybe willing to include. Like if you don't get some Grim Bounties, you're fine to play an Eyes of the Beholder now. Whereas Mm -hmm. before it was like, oh my God, I guess I have to play Eyes of the
1: Beholder, you know? Right. Yeah. You're looking at you're like Baleful Beholder and Eyes of the Beholder as your clunky, you know, hope filler six drops and trying to choose between them. And now this this getting a bump down is pretty nice. Next up, we've got Emerald Dragon 4GG for the 4-4 Flying Trample. It's got
0: the adventure that uh, you can counter a non-creature activated or triggered ability. It now has Ward 2 instead of Trample, which I think, all told,
1: is upside on this card, but a minor change. Yeah, minor change, like a little boost to dragons, makes this not interchangeable with Shardalin, the uncommon artifact, 6 mana, 4, 4 flyer, but uh, yeah, it's fine. Next up, we have all three of the uncommon orbs. These were the orbs that tapped for either these were the three mana rocks, either in red, blue, or green. They tapped for those respective colors, and they gave some sort of boost if you had used that mana to cast a dragon spell. So the green one gave it a plus and plus one counter in Hexproof. Red gave it haste. Blue let you scry two. Now these orbs tap for a mana of any color. This is, I think, the biggest boost to the dragon's deck as a whole.
0: Yeah, for sure. The green orb in particular, giving plus one, plus one and Hexproof, but also just tapping for a mana of any color is big game now like all of a sudden now you can tap the green orb to play dragon looter for a single blue as a two three which is all of a sudden a very relevant card like that was one of the points that
1: Alex brought up on limited level ups and I was like okay I see what you're selling there like that's that's a real game you know yeah that's a that's a really big improvement I think because a lot of the times the choke points because we can't draft lands as we'll talk about I think that's a feature not a bug in this format but because you can't draft lands is fixing in this set um, you do have a choke point in because it's not like red-green dragons or blue-red dragons or blue-green dragons, it's teamer dragons. When you're drafting a dragon's deck, you're touching all three colors. And the more flexibility you have to dip further and further into those colors for uncommons, for removal, for even double-pipped things, um, the better those decks are. And so the orbs being able to tap for any color of mana is a pretty big change. Yeah, and that green orb curving into Lozon now, turning it into a 5-3, like, and just helping you cast it actively. Super big game. A 5-3 that they can't Grim Bounty that turn, so you, like, know you're going to untap and get to at least get one trigger off of it. That's so awesome. Yes. Next up, we've got Young
0: Red Dragon. This is 3 and a red for the 3-2 flyer that can't block, and it had an adventure for 1 and a red to
1: make a treasure. This is now a 3-1 and it can block. This is a a huge shift in my mind, just not in terms of, like, is this now a great card? No. But before this was a card that I think was an F. It not being able to block was really bad. And now I think it's like in the in C range. You know, the, the fact that again, Teamer Dragons is getting this boost. Maybe the treasure adventure matters a little bit more, helps you ramp, helps you fix, whatever. And now you've got a body that's a nice 3-1 evasive threat, but also a three power thing that can trade off if you need to.
0: Just actively bad for my win rate, because now my opponents that
1: have been putting this card in their deck are going to get. Pseudo-rewarded <laughs> instead of just absolutely savagely punished. Uh, rip Ben's win rate. Lastly, we've got navigation orb. This is a three-mana artifact. You can pay two, tap, sack it, search your library for up to two basic land cards and/or gate cards. Reveal them, put one onto the battlefield, tapped, and the other into your hand, then shuffle. Well, now that activation is only one mana instead of two mana, which is a big shift. I don't think this card, like, again, slightly impactful to the format hugely impactful to this card because it's now much closer to a colorless cultivate than it was before three mana then two mana to get this effect was a lot of not affecting the board three mana then one mana it's as we were talking about a lot of not
0: affecting the board well well, as
1: as we're talking about with blessed hippogriff like you can slot in one mana along your curve pretty easily right that's that's not that hard slotting in two mana along your curve is a big cost
0: yes I agree this is a much better and more playable card now yeah All right, that brings us to our last category of cards, which are the um, okay cards. And again... I just want to reiterate, they could be 30 cards in this category. Yeah. the fact that Wizards still did this is amazing. Like, just to be perfectly clear about how we feel about the alchemy changes, because I think sometimes, you know, it's hard when you're, you're listening to a certain portion of a podcast, and you're like, oh, they're being really negative right now. Like, this is awesome
1: that WotC made changes to the format. Yes, we are. We are. We are very pro alchemy changes to limited here. Uh, first right. up, we've got Water Weird, which is uh, four mana for three, four and blue. When it deals combat damage to a player, put a plus one, plus one counter on Water Weird if the top card of your library is a non land card, otherwise you may mill a card. All of that still exists. It now has an activated ability of one and a blue to get plus one minus one until end of turn. Yeah. This card didn't matter before and it doesn't matter now. Exactly. That's gonna be, I think, the summary of all of these cards in my mind, except except Ben has an argument for one card. What, what's up next? Next we've got goggles of night, which is now <laughs> absolute
0: Fire. So, so this was two mana for an equipment, and you could pay two to equip. And whenever equipped creature dealt damage to an opponent, you got to draw a card. Quip is now one, not two. You said it yourself. You can fit one mana along your curve a lot easier. I think blue, white. Tempo decks are much more of a thing now than they were before. And I think Goggles of Night, while
1: not a good card, I think is a much more reasonable include in that style of deck. To harken back to the Crash Course, Ben, where you were lobbying hard for this card, as you often do with these kinds of effects, um, I said, I think you will never cast this card. Have you cast this card? I have not cast this card. (laughs) Well, I'm so happy for you now that it's so busted with this equip cost reduction that you can cast it now. You can put it in your deck now. I appreciate that, friend yeah uh next up we've got baleful beholder this is four black black for a six five when it enters the battlefield you choose one of two modes you can either give creatures you control menace or you can have an opponent sacrifice an enchantment they control well now ben it's a six mana seven five i mean sure give me an extra point of power i'll take it <laughs> I just, so it's so that just seems so random to me like was this card a card that they really wanted to be just just ever so slightly better i mean i do know, but like <laughs> let's, yeah. let's not poke fun at Watsy. We
0: want we want more of these changes.
1: <laughs> OK, 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 OK.
0: Next up, we've got Sigil of Merkel. This was two in a black for the enchantment. It now costs one in a black instead of two in a black. And it says at the beginning of combat on your turn, mill a card. When you do, if there are four more creature cards in your graveyard, put a plus and plus counter on a target creature you control and it gains death touch until end of turn. This is, I think, again, not a hugely impactful change, but this is a card that I'm much more willing to play Because I think black green reanimator got a lot better thanks to the nerfs to white, the nerfs to the raw power of some of the cards, and then also the buffs to circle of land druid and druidic ritual that this is, again, not something that you're actively picking. But if you wheel it and you have a dedicated black green reanimator deck, I think this is something you might be willing to play because you just want ways to fill your graveyard. And Circle the Land Druid's a pretty high pick now. So even if people aren't in your business in Black Green Reanimator, they might just be picking that because it's a good card. So if you're short on ways to get things into the graveyard,
1: Sigil of Merkle, I think, can do in a pinch. So it's not like the cost reduction here doesn't matter. This card is getting better as a byproduct of Circle of the Landruid and Druidic Ritual getting better. Yes, and white getting worse and black yes. getting worse
0: and raw power getting worse and the format slowing down slightly. Like all those things are contributing factors. It's not I, I think this card would also still be kind of playable at two in a black. It is significantly yeah. worse at two in a black than one in a black. But
1: I think it's something you are more willing to play now. I think that's what is the most interesting to me is like you could put. I bet there are a lot of cards that if we, you know, took the time to go through the full spoiler, that we could slot a lot more cards in the very impactful, slightly impactful and even um okay <laughs> categories of changes here because the ripple effect of these whatever 25 30 cards that got shifted is huge. Right, that's what's so interesting to me. The butterfly effect is
0: in full force here and it was just Mm -hmm. wild i felt like i was learning so much about what makes formats tick and how cards interact with each other while i was playing and I've, i've probably only done four or five drafts of this yet and i honestly i think i'm gonna be
1: playing this instead of cube for a little bit like it's yeah. it's just so interesting to me yeah i love that next up in the um okay category we have dragonborn immolator this is four mana for a two four and when it dies you note its power and you get a boon with the next creature card you cast gets plus x plus o where x was this card's power when it died it used to have an activated ability of one in a red get plus one plus o until end of turn it now has an activated ability of two in a red get plus two plus o until end of turn
0: just doesn't matter
1: this doesn't matter this was fine before this is fine now
0: yep split the spoils now costs one and a green instead of two and a green this was the card that was like the fact of fiction for your graveyard you could separate five permanents into piles and then your opponent chose one of those piles to put into your hand the again the mana cost doesn't matter that much here it does in the sense that like you can on turn five or turn six you know cast this and then play a three drop or cast it and play a four drop like that's certainly helpful but the bigger boost that this got is that green black is playable now right like Mm -hmm. graveyard synergies are playable and i think as a result what the spoils is playable again it's not something you're going to pick highly but if you wheel it and
1: you get a black green reanimator deck you might be willing to include this now the last card that was affected here is lantern of revealing this is a three mana rock taps for a man of any color and it had an activated ability of four tap look at the top card of your library if it's a land card you could put it into play tapped if not you could put it on the bottom of your library Well, now that activation is three instead of four. Obviously, mana reduction makes this better. But like this is this was, you know, fine. If you needed fixing before, it's fine. If you need fixing now.
0: Yes, completely agree.
1: All right, Ben, talk to me about how the changes affect the big picture of the format.
0: I mean, we've sort of been doing it as we go along here. I think white still very good. It's just a touch slower than it was and less intrinsically powerful, right? Like Hippogriff is a less good card. Unicorn is a less good card. And all of that means that the other colors and the other color pairs just have a little bit more breathing room, which matters a ton. And I I don't think white's the best color anymore. I think it is green now. Whoa, you think it's green? I do, yeah. I think the the fact that Green gets a premium two drop, it gets underseller Mikanid. It's aggressive strategies as a whole took a hit, and like Mikanid mm-hmm. already blanked the aggressive strategies pretty hard. And mm-hmm. I think the fact that they're just that much worse and Green's that much better means Green's really good now. Like, imagine he, going circle the landruid into Mikanid into Albear into like a six drop. Like
1: your opponent is just super dead. Right, that's that's a huge shift. If green was the fourth best color before, which I think it was, now it's the best. But you're really selling me on it. Premium two, premium three, Owlbear's great. Band Together's fine interaction, and and the fact that all these other things are opened up. The, the ripple effect of those three nerfs, I think, cannot be understated. Prowler getting worse, Hippogriff getting worse, and Unicorn getting worse, really is, I think, the three cards that matter the most here. Right, and Guildsworn Prowler was part of what made black so busted, and green gets that now. In addition to Mike in it, it's so strong. Yeah, no, that's really, really interesting. I love that. Um, The format as a whole contains less raw power and speed. You know, there's, again, a ripple effect of those three cards getting uh, nerfed that not only makes black worse, makes white worse, but in tandem makes red worse because red's best pairings were with those two colors and it relied a lot on those kinds of cards. You know, obviously you're happy with your Dragon's Fire and your uh, Genasi Rabble Rousers and your Hobgoblin Captains, but you really were leaning on those other three cards as well. And now you don't get those.
0: Yeah. The format I think is fundamentally different as to what you're incentivized to do. I mean, like double team is still busted and like, you can definitely still play aggressive decks, but they're not head and shoulders above the rest of the things to do in the format, which is just wild because these changes weren't like by and large, that drastic. I mean, like, the changes that mattered were like four or five cards, but they mattered so much in what they incentivized you to do and what you're incentivized to do now.
1: Yeah, it does seem like I mean, I know they'll never do this for just normal limited sets. I mean, hopefully, my my hope is we get an alchemy set, an alchemy limited set every summer, this replaces the core set. And they do this, hey, four weeks deep, we're going to tweak a handful of cards. That would be so sick if we got that every year. I
0: completely
1: agree. All right, what else? Green, as we said, I think now
0: the best color, thanks to those buffs to circle the land druid, druidic ritual, and just, you know, the nerfs to everything else. And I think even more interesting than green being the best color is just that the door is open for synergy to exist now, right? Like raw power pushes out synergy because you get the power Always, all the time. Whereas synergy, like you have to do some work to get the power. And because there's less raw power, green, black, reanimator, like I said, is a thing now. The teamer dragons decks, like you can get rewarded for going deep on teamer dragons because it's not just as easy to jam, like white card, white card, white card, attack you, make my thing indestructible, kill you dead. You know, like that is. Mm-hmm happening less often which means these other strategies get a chance to breathe
1: yeah totally agree
0: and honestly the thing the thing that surprised me most was that the buffs to the blue cards didn't matter but blue is better because other things are worse right yes and blue synergies and the cute synergies and all the stuff that you were derping around doing like your allure and (laughs) (laughs) i mean that in the most loving way possible (laughs) but like all of that stuff is actually much more reasonable to do now like I'm going to be doing that stuff more now, too because it actually matters
1: because the less intricate strategies are a little bit worse. Yeah, that is so interesting to me that blue was like so, so maligned, I think really misunderstood in this format, but obviously the worst color, but that honestly all those buffs that they did are not really the things that matter. And it's not what I wanted. I don't want blue to have a Guild Sworn Prowler or a Blessed Hippogriff level card. I just want those cards to, to come down to an even playing field. And that is really what makes the format better I think
0: yes this format is significantly better to me mm-hmm. significantly yeah. better the only thing that they didn't do and I know you don't want to talk about this I we'll really talk wish about they, it in a second I really wish they'd made in an hourglass coven mythics
1: uh why are you doing this to me <laughs> <laughs> why I'm sorry uh, that's how I feel I can't change how I feel Oh my goodness. All right, well, we're going to take a quick ad break and then we will be back with 25 takes in 25 minutes. After years of fine print contracts and getting ripped off by big wireless providers, if we've learned anything, it's that there's always a catch. So when we first heard that Mint Mobile offers premium wireless starting at just 15 bucks a month, we thought, what's the catch? But after talking to them, it all made sense. There isn't one. Mint Mobile's secret sauce is that they're the first company to sell wireless service online only. They cut out the cost of retail stores and pass those sweet savings directly to you. For anyone who hates their phone bill, Mint Mobile offers premium wireless for just 15 bucks a month. Mint Mobile gives you the best rate whether you're buying for one or a family. And at Mint, families start at two lines. All plans come with unlimited talk and text, plus high-speed data delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Use your own phone with any Mint Mobile plan and keep your same phone number along with all your existing contacts. Switch to Mint Mobile and get premium wireless service starting at just 15 bucks a month. To get your new wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month and get the plan shipped to your door for free, go to mintmobile.com lol. That's mintmobile.com lol. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash LOL. And now back to the show. All right, Ben, you ready to get 25 minutes on the clock here? Let's do it. All right. First up, we've got Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate is the most controversial limited set we've ever seen since starting the podcast and possibly just ever full stop. Yeah, I loathed this format (laughs) when it came out.
0: I have come around in the formats midlife to it being... A totally fine format and not just for me, like I think it was not the format for me. And now post alchemy changes,
1: like I'm into this format, like I'm going to be playing it, I think, instead of cube, like I said, for a while. Yeah, I I think like, it'd be so interesting if we could have some alternate dimension where the magic community didn't have such a strong or part of the magic community didn't have such a strong anti alchemy feeling, because I would love to know what folks thoughts were about the format with decoupling that sentiment. Because I think that really helped pile on to the negativity about the set. And I think, you know, the that everyone went in thinking it was going to be, myself included, thinking it was just going to be Adventures in the Forgotten Realm 2.0, which we'll talk about in a second, but it really wasn't. Yeah, I think I think this format really just got a bad rap. And obviously, the camps of enjoyment or assessment of this format are quite split. Yes.
0: Next up. Double team is incredibly powerful, limited mechanic. I said it when we saw previews. I sent you a message that said double team is busted or am I crazy?
1: And (laughs) turns out double team was busted and I was not crazy. Yeah, even the worst double team cards, whether that's the 2-2 Menace Beetle, whether that's my fave Lizard Folk Librarians, you know, even those were good. Like just the fact that you got to draw cards from attacking, which is those are the two things you want to do in magic, right? You want to attack and you want to draw cards. And the fact that you got to do both of those, you were rewarded for doing one and then got the other. uh, Really, really powerful. Yeah. And the fact that just changing those few cards means that like double
0: team, despite as powerful as it is you know, there are other things that can compete with it is just a nod to how sweet, you know, those green cards are as well, even though you're not drawing cards.
1: Yeah. well, And the fact that no double team card was touched. And that would have been in my mind, like the first thing or like, can we make something nerf double team in some way? And they did by just changing other things. They didn't have to touch double team at all. Yeah. Number three, specialize is interesting design space, but never quite achieves the elegant mental shortcuts that a lot of mechanics do. I think like I'm not anti-specialized at all. And I do think as a limited player coming into Alchemy for the first time, there was a lot to jump on board with, not only with specialized, but with, you know, perpetual and seek and yada, yada. Like it was a lot to sort of, you know, wrap my head around. I do think that there is space for specialized to exist. The six-sided thing doesn't bother me. But the fact that like from card to card, different specialized costs, different power and toughness on the back sometimes from You know, side to side, different effects from the colors. Like sometimes white gave lifelink, sometimes it gave first strike. It's just really hard to internalize those things when they're all so different.
0: Yes, I am still reading the specialized cards every time my opponents play them and oftentimes when I'm playing them. And I think the specialized cost was like a, a wild. Thing Right. Yeah. Like some is getting to specialize for one or two and then be absolutely busted and others getting to specialize for four or five and being significantly less good as a result was just a little all over the place. Ultimately, for me personally, not a fan. I think the deeper I got into the format, the more fine I was with
1: it because it was less of a mental load, but it was a lot of cost up front. I think like if someone like you or I this deep into the format is reading commons or uncommons. I think that's a bad mechanic. Like, I like the idea of it in my head. I think the execution, if they're going to do it again, needs to be different.
0: Yes. Number four, this set looked like it was going to be AFR 2.0, but it was significantly different. And I think a big improvement from AFR. Both of those things, very true.
1: Yeah, we lost the dungeons, which I liked, but never really caught, got off the ground. But we gained the dragons. Dra- Team of dragons is a real thing. And certainly post-nerf is, is much more supported in my mind. Yes. And I think lots of the AFR cards
0: either moved up or moved down in their power rankings. I think generally down, most of the AFR cards were worse. And I think one of the things that I didn't initially appreciate about the format was the cards that mattered in the format weren't the AFR cards, I think, by and large, which did make it feel like more of a new format than I was willing to give it credit for.
1: Yeah, no, I I totally agree with that. I think that's one of the cool things about the format was coming in and being like Battlecry Goblin, so busted, can't believe this is here. And now you're like, eh, whatever. Skullport Merchant, oh my god, so busted. Still good. I wouldn't say busted. Like a lot of the cards just either stayed the same or got worse. And I think that's really cool. Yes. Number five Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate has more fun and more importantly, supported build around rares than we've seen in a long time. I mean, so much so that we devoted a whole episode to them.
0: Yes, I think the rares in this format are very good. I think they were overshadowed a little bit by the power at common and the aggressive nature of the format. But I certainly think if they were good and interesting before, they're going to be even better now post nerf.
1: Yeah, I mean, look, we're that's just how ahead of the curve we are on Lords of Limited, is that we, you know, <laughs> equipped our listeners with the ability to build around these cards in preparation for these alchemy changes we didn't even know were gonna happen. Absolutely. Number six, this, much like Ikoria,
0: was a Mardu color pair set. Except I will say Except, you know, yeah. <laughs> it was very different from Ikoria in that like I was this these changes to the format just had also had me thinking about what I want from magic and what I appreciate about magic as a game and what I'm looking for from draft because both of those are Mardu color sets. Ikoria is my favorite draft format of all time, but that was because it was a synergy format, right? Mm. It was absolutely like you had to put cards together to do things. And Alchemy Horizons Baldur's Gate pre this update was a raw power format and not even in terms of busted rares. Like I'm not talking about that. It was straightforward in that the cards did what they did and you were picking cards on power level. And playing powerful cards and winning with powerful cards. And I I want to have to combine things and do work to make my archetypes work and to make my power, you know, come as a result of combining things.
1: I totally agree. It's it, like, you know, it's the difference between how close to following a pick order can you get to getting the the correct deck at the end of the draft versus how quickly does your pick order shift as as soon as pack one, pick two, you know? And the more it's the latter, the more interesting the draft format is to me. Yes. Number seven, blue was woefully underpowered, but also I think too easily written off. You know, I've been a blue champion since the beginning. (laughs) I, I think it's obviously the worst color in the format. I'm not saying that, but I think like it's not like for my money, blue is much better in this set than it was in AFR. I was very much of the mind that it was as close to unplayable as we've seen in AFR. And I don't think that was the case here. I just think, you know, some color pairs were better than others. I do think like blue-white-blink and blue-black-sneaky, shout out to our, our fave, Cridal, um could get there sometimes. And then blue as a support color for dragons. But, you know, you just got to get into it for the right cards. Don't get into it for, you know, clever conjurers and young blue dragons.
0: And I think some of that too is also best of three versus best of one. And not in the sense of like best of three is softer, so you can play blue cards there. Like not in that sense, but in the sense that like best of three drafts are a little tougher, right? And especially in high stakes draft, right? We saw in the Arena Open, I think more people drafting blue because more people were taking the better cards and then somebody has to draft blue in the pod, right? Like one Mm -hmm. or two people do. Like I drafted blue in the arena open. I thought it was right for my seat. Alex drafted blue in the arena open. I think it was right for his seat as well. So things like that, I think, You don't necessarily get in best of one nearly as often because the pool of drafters is a lot wider and there's enough skill disparity that if you're a skilled drafter, you can often like soft force your way into non blue decks always all the time. And then blue gets this reputation of, well, it's terrible, never draft it. But that's not really how it works in real draft pods. And I I don't I hate to say like that sounding elitist, but I think it is certainly true to an extent. And you do get closer to a real sense of pick orders and what you're getting past in best of three drafts. Word. Next up, number eight, Underseller Myconid, unseated Owlbear as the top green common. And I think post rebalance is a contender for the best common overall. I would say it just probably is like Patriarch Humiliation is a better magic card
1: a more powerful magic card, but I think Mykonid just is way more important to the format now. If green is the best color, which I think you're selling me that it is, then I think Mykonid does get to unseat Humiliation as the best common. I think I would take it, pack one, pick one, I would take Mykonid over Humiliation right now, yeah. Yeah, I'm into that. Well, speaking of, number nine, Patriarch's Humiliation may be the best common removal spell we've ever seen for Limited. I mean, what can't this card do? Removes Indestructible. Like, that was the sickest thing of that, of like, your opponent can't respond to this with Tear's Blessing. <laughs> yeah, like, You go to kill the thing, they go, ooh, make it indestructible. You're like, cool, still remove that ability and it's dead. Um, removes indestructible, removes double team, removes activated abilities, perpetual abilities. It's so cheap, so efficient, makes the card like something that you don't want to recur from the graveyard. If you're dealing with like a you know, really important threat, just so efficient. And as we said, one mana, like that
0: cannot be understated. That is my big, o- biggest takeaway from these updates, I think, is just how good one mana is. All right. Number 10. <laughs>
1: Here you go, Ben.
0: Lysel and Hourglass Coven are some of the most hated rares since Glorybringer or Tetsamok or Dreamtrawler. I mean, like there's a bevy of them and they're in a lot of formats. I think I, I am with you on your position on rares. I hear you. I understand it that you whoa, think, you know,
1: whoa, whoa, wait,
0: this is news to me. I understand where you're coming from. I like I am able to put myself in your shoes and see what you see from rares being powerful and being good, you know, having powerful rares. And like you do want that in magic, right? You want some one that shows up to M for the first time, be able to beat me or you in a game of magic because it means they're going to keep coming back and playing magic. Like all of that is good. The variance in magic is good. I just want it to be mythic instead of rare. That's all I ask and I think that accomplishes both of our things, right? Like your your end of the spectrum still gets it because, you know, they still exist, they're still going to win games. I have to play against it less awesome. I just think that is the fix. I don't think they need to be nerfed, whatever. They're fine. Just Please make them mythic.
1: I also think something like Lazel specifically, like th- that I do think is egregious. Like, you know, Dream Trawler you have to work for. It's white, white, blue, blue. Even Hourglass Coven is six mana and double black, whatever. Like Lazel, no matter when you see that in the draft, you just go, oh, mine, and I'll figure out some way to cast it, you know? I do think that is pretty egregious. Like not having to work for them is bad, but I think overall the complaint is, Equity that these add to uh, (laughs) to the limited community is just atrocious in comparison to uh, you know how actually powerful they are. Yeah, I mean
0: these two cards are a large part of why I hated the format the first week of the format because I played against them over and over and over again, and I know it's all evens out. Like I I understand all that, but you just I just feel it way more than you. I'm sorry, I'm not as mentally disciplined.
1: Well, we'll get we'll maybe we'll talk about that when we get to uh, our New Year's Eve episode, <laughs> talk about some uh, some resolutions. Number 11, while you couldn't get fixing from non-basic lands, there was still a lot to go around, and it was a cool feature of the format, I think. Like Pilgrim's Eye, Prophetic Prism, Treasures, now the Orbs, the Lantern, etc. You had a lot to choose from in varying degrees of, "Hey, this is gonna like add some amount of filler to your deck." I didn't even mention like Mike and it obviously being just great. Um you had a lot to choose from that made drafting and deck building really interesting. Like, ooh, can I splash this? Can I take this off color rare, or whatever? I thought that was a that was nice, especially coming off um, a lot of formats where we had non basic lands to draft.
0: Yes, as you said earlier, feature not a bug. Number twelve, the official Lords of Limited Gold Uncommon Power Rankings. In the number one spot, Minthara of the Absolutely Broken. <laughs> number two,
1: OG the Exquisite Blade. Number three, Random Crydal of Baldur's Gate, though. Number four, Liara of the Flaming Fist. Number five, Lozon Dragon's Legacy. Number six, Kalain Reclusive Painter. Number seven, Kaga Shadow Archdruid. Number eight, Corlessa Scale Singer. Number nine, Thrakus the Butcher. And bringing up the rear, number 10, Trellisara Moon Dancer. I mean, these are not in rankings of where we think those color pairs exist, but just where we think these cards in terms of power level exist. Minthara was just such a sick card. Absolutely absurd. Although I played a game last night where my opponent
0: had it up to like seven or eight intensity counters and just a flooded board. They had Minthara and... Uh, Jan Jansen, and they were just like oh. go- going off. Oh my god! But I was able to stabilize because I had so many understellar myconids, and so <laughs> I lasted like eight or nine turns, and then finally drew a removal spell from Anthara and killed my opponent with two dreadlin Orms. It was awesome. <laughs> wow, that's awesome. All right, next up, number thirteen viconia Nightsinger's disciple was the mythic uncommon of the set i floated this a yeah. couple of weeks ago and you poo-pooed me there's cards like rasad and sea
1: tower imprisonment too yeah i think this is the best uncommon in the set rasad and sea tower imprisonment i think are like whatever on 17 lands higher than it viconia just the the nerfing of graveyards cannot be understated the cheap specialized cost cannot be understated and the blue backside of this cannot be understated <laughs>
0: I hated this card before. And I was playing Black Green Reanimator last night, and my opponent played Viconia, and I just conceded. I was so mad. Like, it was like, it was like uh, in stupid, whatchamacallit, Midnight Hunt, like just mm-hmm. your graveyard stuff being nerfed by an already busted card in the 3 4 that can exile two things. What was that card called? Diagraph Horde. Yeah.
1: I was just so mad. I was like, I don't want to play with you. I'm taking my cards and I'm leaving the sandbox. I had a deck the other day with Double Viconia, and I was playing against someone who then came in, in, into my stream, or I forget if they contacted me on Twitter, but they were like, yeah, you played Vaconi on turn two and my whole deck is built around Ascend from Avernus. Oh, I was no. Like, I was like, I'm so sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's just not fair. Yeah, the card is broken. Number 14, even though two for ones were abundant, interaction was still incredibly important. And I do think this was the, one of the reasons that blue and to a lesser extent green suffered. Blue had no removal worth playing pre-balance and green only has band together. Um, I just think you, you really got to be able to, especially if you can, you know, Think about killing, even if you're just killing derpy Soldiers of the Watch, if you kill that before it gets an attack, you're killing two things with your removal spell. Yes, you're
0: always firing off removal on double-team things, I think, given the opportunity to. Yep. Number 15, White had an abundance of two drops that continued to shift in pecking order until the set rotated. I think Flaming Fist dust card eventually came out on top. I don't know. Personally, I like Soldiers of the Watch, the 2-1 double-team, but I'm a sucker for card advantage. I think Mm -hmm. the aggro experts in our Discord say that Flaming Fist Dusk guard is the best and I think they are better at playing aggro than I am so I will will trust
1: them on that. It's so funny that Steadfast Paladin is the worst of these 3. Like I think that's the that's the no question. That's in 3rd place. Uh-huh. I guess. I mean, I also kind
0: of like that card more than Flaming Fist Duskar, but I mean, it uh, just
1: makes me a l- bad aggro player. Let, let me ask you then where does Borskir Tollkeeper rank? Oh, highly
0: above <laughs> all three. That information that you gain. For those of you that don't know what we're talking about, <laughs> Ethan and I have an ongoing shtick about <laughs> <laughs> Borskir Tollkeeper. I really think the information matters so a st- reasonable amount, and he thinks <laughs> that it matters not at all.
1: So every time. <laughs> It's cast <laughs> on one of our streams. We always heckle the other person about it. Uh, we have a good time. We have a good time. Now, number 16. The data for this set really didn't paint a complete picture for me. I, I will say it did help me to understand the power of Hippogriff, Patriarch's Humiliation, Mykonid, and Unicorn pre-balanced for those cards. But I also think it really led people astray to play too many Dreadlinorms. I mean, we, we may be the only people who think Dreadlinorm is just fine, not busted, and not enough... Genassi Rabble Rousers, which is also busted. Yes, Genassi Rabble Rouser
0: is illegal on turn two. <laughs>
1: <laughs> and Agreed. I think
0: Dread also a big winner uh, after the post balance changes. I think it, it got better than it was. Um, and I'm certainly willing to pick it more aggressively now because I, I actively want to get into green a little bit more. And I think taking Lenorm helps you do that. But I agree that data in this set, but I'm always going to be on board with a take that says data didn't paint a complete picture. Number 17, before the rebalance, green had four two drops, none of which were particularly good.
1: Yeah, so you had Null Hunter, which was awkward since the green aggro pack tactics deck didn't exist. Like green as an aggressive color, just that's not what it does.
0: Yes, I completely agree. And then there was Underdark Basilisk, which was just embarrassingly bad against double team. Like, sure, I'm going to sign up to try to block and get two for one. Like that was what it said when you put Underdark
1: Basilisk in your deck. I didn't quite realize how bad and poorly positioned this card was in the format until we were diving into sealed and you were like, this just doesn't do anything you want. And I was like, this isn't good in sealed. This cannot be good in draft. (laughs) And that was when I started to go, oh, this card is just like filler at best. So you had scaled nurturer, which is good in a heavy dragons deck, but not much else. So like... Yeah, that's the two drop you want when you're doing the team or dragons thing. But it's so bad otherwise.
0: Yes. And then Circle the Land Druid was fine for a black green self mill deck. And honestly, just OK as a speed bump against aggro decks that were playing X ones, you know, out of the sideboard. Certainly reasonable there. But as a two one now, it's just the real deal. It is close yep. to the power
1: level of previous Guild Sworn Prowler. Number 18. The uncommon gates are fine. But I think we're really past the point where these kinds of lands are high draft picks, right? When every card that impacts the board is a two for one, getting value from your lands or, I mean, I've been saying that like divination or just random card draw that doesn't affect the board isn't good and limited anymore. It's just so much less important. When everything's a two for one, you don't need this. It's not like you're cutting gates, but they're not high picks at all. Can I get an A-Men? <laughs>
0: Number 19, timing your adventures from Blessed Hippogriff and Dread Lenorm was very important so as to not get horrifically blown out. And I think Lenorm in particular was just so easy to telegraph if you weren't careful. And I think people were way too aggressive about firing it off into open mana
1: yeah i have like reverse uh, maybe ptsd is that the right correct term but i have like the reverse effect happen for me when i play dread is that i'm just so eager? i'm like oh they're tapped out i'm gonna cast it like (laughs) i'm just gonna just gonna get those counters and untap my thing and be fine like because i'm so scared of getting blown out because i've done it so many times to my opponents yes i think i am on the same side of that coin Number 20, Armor of Shadows is actually a good little combat trick. This is the single black uh, creature gets plus one, plus and oh, indestructible until out of turn, which more just speaks to how absolutely busted Hippogriff was before the nerf than anything else. But Armor of Shadows really pulled its weight, I think. Well, and also just the one mana thing, right? Like just knowing how your curve is going to line up
0: and like thinking about the power level of cards, right? Armor of Shadows, like on the LR grading scale, gets like a C or whatever, or a C minus. And it actually probably plays closer to a C plus. But the, the default for a combat trick is like D plus C minus territory, right? But mm-hmm. that they're not all created equal. And what putting armor of shadows in your deck does for your deck is also powerful, right? Because it, in addition, like it's going to trade for a card at some point, but it also makes it likely that you're going to be able to double spell during turns three, four, five, or six, which are the turns that really matter, which is powerful in and of itself. So it makes sense to me that, you know, after seeing all this stuff, you know, pre-balance,
1: after seeing all this stuff post-balance, why this card was so good. I think also the addition of treasures makes the one mana things really good because you can often have this like, you know, if you get get a random treasure from Skullport Merchant or whatever, that maybe you're hoping to use down the road for something else, but you can just have that sneaky one mana up for the Armor of Shadows is big game too. For sure. Number twenty one, the Lords Limited official top common power
0: rankings. In white, it was Blessed Hippogriff pre balance and post
1: balance. I think Patriarch's Humiliation clearly took the top spot. In blue, we've got Young Blue Dragon, which I think still the same pre balance and post balance. I like how you're saying balance. I I adopted that partway through the episode. I was just nerf in my head because I was so glad that black
0: and white got knocked down a peg. Moving on to black. It was Guildsworn Prowler pre-balance. And I
1: think Grim Bounty, maybe post-balance. Do you have strong feelings
0: about what the best black common is post-balance?
1: I don't. I think Grim Bounty makes sense to me. I think that would be the card that I would take first over what, like Shambling Gast, Sepulchre Ghoul, certainly Sewer Plague. You know, we never talked about we were really high on Sewer Plague. This was the thing. I should have put that in the the point about the data pointing me to this card, because I was high on this card, confounded by the fact that this was number six in the like Black Common rankings. This card definitely moved down significant pegs for me as the format progressed. Yes, I agree. Um, so yeah, I think Grim Bounty topped Black Common. In red, I would say Janassi Rabble Rouser. The data would tell me it's Dragon's Fire. Um I think you could you could pick or choose, but I'm I'm team Rabble Rouser. I, they're both very good. I don't care which one I take. Maybe post balance, it is Dragon's Fire. If if aggro got worse, if red got worse, like Janasi Rabble Rouser probably got worse because Prowler and Hippogriff. And unicorn are worse. That checks out with me.
0: I think I would. I think I would say dragons fire post balance, okay. and I think pre balance. I would say you could give me either one. I would probably take the first Genasi Rabble Rouser pre balance, mostly because I'd be hoping to get patriarch humiliations. But right, yeah. All right, and in green we've got underseller
1: Myconid pre and post. Yeah, so good. Number twenty two, HBG was a back to basics format. Individual card quality, removal, bread, if you want, right? Bombs removal, evasion, abilities, dudes, whatever you learned bread to be. I think that applies here. I think especially pre-balance, more of a, the cards do what they do. You want them to do their things on their own. And I think post bounce there's definitely room for synergy takes now yes i
0: i completely agree and i think also just if you're coming back to this format be careful to not end up with 20 creatures because if you're if you haven't played the format much it's very easy to do that accidentally if you're not picking removal super highly agreed number 23 alchemy horizons baldur's gate was the fastest format we've had since starting the podcast thanks to mechanics like double team and the push power level on creatures like prowler
1: yeah i mean like I didn't feel that. That's what the data said, right? This is super fast and best of one, even faster in best of three, which doesn't really even make any sense to me. But that I didn't feel that to be the case. I mean, the g- games were fast, but also had lots of long grindy games as well. Yeah, I think it
0: was either someone got run over or the board stalled out. I think that was how the format tended to play out. Yeah. In my experience, sometimes there was a race too if you had two aggressive decks mashed up. But I think the play really mattered thanks to Double Team, right? I mean, then the play always matters in Magic at this point, right? But Double Team did juice that up a little bit. And I do think you really wanted to play a two-drop on turn two or be able to snap off a Dragon's Fire on your opponent's two-drop or you risked falling behind. I mean, d- different in the sense of like SNC in that like you weren't leveraging tempo so much. Like you just were dying. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. it wasn't like, get ahead,
1: stay ahead, like it was in SNC. It was just like, you were overwhelmed. Yeah. Number 24, synergy was overshadowed by raw power until the alchemy update. Unless you were, of course, Ethan Sachs. In which case, <laughs> synergy can never be overshadowed. But I do think that's definitely true. Like, there was a lot of you know, below the surface synergy happening, especially with the rares, as we talked about a couple episodes ago, just like a lot to to dive into. Jan Jansen, Baba La Saga, you had a lot of cool things you could build around or support, but did they often were just worse than like, hey, I'm just going to play double team thing into double team thing, attack, attack, use Hippogriff, and then launch something into the air, etc. And now I think there's a lot more room for different strategies. And there are those decks still like, that's
0: the other thing that I like about these changes. Like those white red decks are still there. Those white black decks are still there. And they're still good. Yes, they're still good. That's what makes it interesting, right? But now those other decks have a fighting chance too, which is also important and good. Mm -hmm. Which brings us to our last point, which is a rebalancing a limited environment in the middle of a format is absolutely awesome. And I cannot beg for more of it in the future enough. It is so sweet.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think if you and I had our druthers, they would do this to literally every limited format. Like <laughs> three weeks, four weeks before it rotates, they just go, here's 20 card changes. I think that is definitely not going to happen. If any set is tied to paper cards, I cannot imagine they will change them. But like I said before, if we can get one alchemy set of summer and that replaces the core set draft environment, and they do this same little shakeup, maybe even a week sooner, I, I will be so happy. Yes, I completely agree. And I also think there's room to make the alchemy
0: set, if they're going to do this, the set that they cater to you and I, right? Like, normally, like the spring set is the most complex one and the summer is kind of corsety. Like, I would be lobbying
1: for like, let's not make it feel kind of corsety like this one did. And let's go nuts. You know? Well, And especially because I think my guess is, if they're invested in doing this, that they're also going to see, oh, wow, actually the biggest changes were just these three nerfs. Just making the best decks slightly worse at common really opened up stuff to breathe. It's just like, hey, we almost got it right, save for these few cards it makes their job like it makes this not a big chore for them in the future, right? It's not like, oh, man, we have to overhaul this limited set. It's like, no, we just have to make a couple small changes to try and get some other strategies bumped up. That's really not that big of an ask and is such a huge ripple effect change for players like you and me and our listeners. Well, and it
0: also just makes me appreciate how hard
1: it is, like (laughs) making a format, right?
0: I mean, they could have done nothing except I think change the, those m- very impactful changes, those six cards. You come to a yes. river, guildsworn prowler, circle the land, druid, druidic ritual, steadfast unicorn, blessed hippogriff. They yep. change those six cards, touch nothing else. And I think the effect of this update is largely the same, right? Which is wild. Like yeah. how hard it is to get a format to do the thing you want it to do. Because people like you and I are always going to go towards what's the best thing and try to break it, you know? Please don't don't lump me into always
1: trying to do the best thing. <laughs> okay, I'm, just, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. That was... That's your job on the podcast, okay? <laughs> I'm, I'm off the deep end. Yes, I apologize for insulting you. <laughs> Um, so I think all told a good summer, a good limited summer, especially in comparison to, uh, to, to AFR of 2021. I'll take this all day, every day.
0: Yes, completely agree.
1: Yeah. Um, so like I said, we're going to be wrapping up things here with HBG. We've got Dominaria United just around the corner, which is wild, um, but we'll be rolling out some uh, some early preview episodes next week. And then of course, the crash course the following week. All right. Great place to wrap us up. Thank you as always to Salty Pretzels for our intro and outro music. Make sure you give it a listen. Thank you so much to ChannelFireball.com for sponsoring this podcast. If you're heading over to CFB for any and all purchases, signing up for CFB Pro, as Ben said, we're going to be dumping a ton of limited content on CFB Pro early in the format, try and front load that article content on the pro side of things. You, me, and Alex are going to be doing that. So if you're interested in that, head on over to channelfireball.com and use code LOL when you make any and all purchases. Let them know we sent you over there. You can check us out streaming. I'm at twitch.tv slash Lord Tupperware. Ben is at twitch.tv slash Mr. Metronome. Mr. is spelled out. We're both under those same usernames on Twitter, and you can tweet at the podcast at Lords of Limited. If you've got any feedback about the show or any questions, shoot us an email at lordsoflimited at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you next week for another episode of Lords of Limited. Thanks, everybody.
0: See you later.